Good afternoon. Uh, just want to start off by just saying thanks for everybody that uh, helped us get to Peru, from especially your prayers, because while we were over there, there was many times where we were riding in the motor cars and the whole group turned left and we kept going straight and not speaking any language that they do. It was it was pretty nerve wracking, but we just you know we just almost had a calmness about us knowing that everybody back home was was praying for us and it helped us helped us get through the week. But I uh, also want to thank everybody for the the donations that they had and for the people that helped with the barbecue that stayed up all night and got there early in the morning to help cut it up and and all and, and to, to taste it. Tommy made sure it was all right before we served it to everybody <laughs> and all. So appreciate that. And uh, before we uh, start the slideshow, I just wanted to, to kind of share how we got here and and the story behind it. Because one night when we were in Peru, I was talking to Ryan online and we kind of started putting the pieces together how God was working in our lives, but we didn't quite know it at the time. And when we finally realized it, it just it, it hit me. And, you know, we I finally realized that we were doing God's will and not our own will. And uh, it started back in back in May. Ryan uh, called and wanted me to go play golf with him. So, of course, I'm not going to turn down a, a round of golf. And it was a free round of golf at that with, with Jimmy. And he said, well, call somebody and find a fourth person to go so we can have a foursome and play. And so I called my granddaddy and my uncle and, and everybody, and nobody could go. So I told Ryan it would just be us three. So we were playing, and since – Ryan and Jimmy ain't here. I'll say I was winning most of the time. And uh, but <laughs> but uh, when we finished the nine holes, uh, we went and got a bite to eat. And when we were getting ready to start the tenth hole, Jimmy stopped stopped us and said, "Travis, have you thought about going on a mission trip?" And I said, "Well, I've seen the pictures and stuff that Ryan and Brandy's showed us, but you know that's I don't I don't know." He was like, "We well, should give it some thought. We're going in December. It'll be a great trip." And I said, "Well, I'll think about it, but." You know, that was that was all it was. It was just a thought. And so me and Ryan kept on playing, and then he, he asked me, he said, well, Travis, have you thought about it? And I said, well, I was like, I don't know. I said, me and Lane, we're, we want to start a family. I said, so it's May. I said, December. I said, she'll be pregnant, and there won't be no way we can go. So I said, well, I was like, no. Nah. I said, you know, but I, I said, well, it would be nice. I said, maybe, maybe the next year. And I said, he said, well, you should really give it thought and pray about it. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And I said, if she's not pregnant by November, I said, we'll go. And so I just left it at that. And a month or two went by. I didn't think nothing of it. And Ryan, he, he would still ask me about every Sunday, have you thought about it? And I said, well, you know, just thinking about it, but not that was about it. And so come sometime in late September, October, he asked again, and he was like, do you have any news? And I said, no, we don't have any news now. And he said, well, you should really think about it. And I said, well, I said, okay. I said, well, another month. I was like, and if not, we'll, we'll go. And he said, okay. He said, well, I'm praying for you. He said that, you know, God's will will be done. And I said, yeah, me too. But I was really just praying, you know, God just bless us with a child. And I wasn't praying that you know, his will be done, that he shows us what he wants us to do. It was more praying for what I wanted. And so November comes around, and Ryan asked me again, and I was like, yeah, we'll go. I was like, you know, 
started talking to Lane about it, and we re I realized, you know, God's trying to tell us something, that he wants us to go on this trip. So I talked to Ryan, and we started getting together. We met with the group and, and everything. And one afternoon, I woke up before I went to work, and I had a text message from Ryan saying, call me when you get this. And I said, oh, well, what done happened? And so I called him, and he was like, we're not going to Peru. I said, why? He was like, Brandy's pregnant. And I said, do what? And he was like, I said, you, just a couple of weeks before we go, I said, you can't, you can't do this. And he was like, yeah, he's like, we're, we're, we're not going because we, we've been trying for a long time, too. And he was like, I, I just, we're not going. And he's like, are y'all still going to go? And I said, well, I don't know. And I said, it's a long ways away. I said, we've never been before. I said, I, Ryan and Brandon was going to be like our security blanket. Like, we knew we could lean on them. They could show us where to go, you know, and everything. And so I was just like, let me think about it. Let me talk to Lane and pray about it. And so we, we prayed about it. And Lane, we just, she just said, you know, we're, we're still going. She said, you know, that, 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 that's just a sign from God that he, he still wants us to go. So I told Ryan, you know, get the plane tickets, we'll go. And, and just, you know, it was, we got a lot, well, I was a lot more nervous knowing that, you know, <laughs> that I was going to be in a country that I didn't speak the language, even though I took three or four years in college and still can't speak the language. But. Yeah. And to, to add to that, too, um, I was just like, when he told me that Ryan and Brandy weren't going, I was like, no. I was like, there's no way that I'm going and, and they're not going. Because we, we were going to rely completely on them. And then just one day, I was just, I was thinking about it and praying about it. And God told me, y'all have to go on this trip. And I was like, okay, we'll go. And I told Travis, I was like, you know, we, we got to go. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when I was talking to Ryan that night, he was the one that, that brought it up. He said, you know, Travis, he was like, God wanted us to go play golf that day. He, and he didn't want nobody to go with us because if it had been four people, me and Ryan might have not played or rode in the same golf cart and not been able to have that conversation about going. And so when we started looking at the pieces and stuff and how everything just laid out and – then when it came around to the plane tickets, they were a little more than what we thought, and so we was like, "How are we gonna How are we gonna afford this to go?" And then the vaccinations were a whole lot more than I thought they were gonna be, and that was just another expense that I just didn't know how we were gonna do it. But when the bills came in, there was there was money there to cover it, and we we were so blessed that you know the Lord provided what we needed, and it just further further showed us that when we put our faith in God and pray for his will to be done and not ours, that he'll, he'll make the path straight and he, he, knows, he knows where we're going because he's already at the finish line and already knows where, where, how we're going to get there. But uh, every day while we were in Peru, every morning we had a devotion and prayer time. And I stumbled all week trying to figure out what verse I wanted to do, what, what I wanted to say, and... After me and Ryan had that, that conversation, I, I knew it then. I knew what I, it was. It was the last night, so last I was day. I was the last one that that had to go. So it was yeah. didn't have no choice. But uh, the voice, uh, the verse that really stuck out to me was from Jeremiah 29. It's verses 11 through 13. It says, "For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord: plans to prosper you and not to harm you; plans to give you hope and a future." 
Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that, that just really, really hit home for me because leading up from May all the way up to November, I was, I was praying for, for my will. I would say, you know, God, let it be. If it's your will, let us have a baby. But I was, in my heart, I was, I was praying, wanting, wanting a baby. And I didn't plan on going on this trip. And he didn't take him long to say, you know, for me to, to realize that, you know, I, I need to pray for his will to be done. And when I pray for his will, he, he provides and he, he makes it so that whatever, whatever we thought we were going to do, you know, he, he just showed us, like, this is where you're going to go. And we had no idea the blessing that we were going to get from this trip. We've, Ryan, he told us the, la- the night before we left, he came and had, helped us pack. And he said, you just, you don't know what you're about to get into. And I was like, is that good or bad? And he was like, it's, it's, it's a good thing. He said, you don't understand the, the blessing you're about to receive. He said, you'll get more of a blessing than the kids that you go give a gift to would get. And I said, well, no, I, said, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't. And after the first day, I, my mouth was just, just dropped open. Like it, All my expectations were, were met just that first day we were there. And the rest of the week, it was, it was just a blessing. And I could just tell how much it had already changed us just part of the way through the week and so but that's just uh just a little brief before we got started I just wanted to share how how God worked in our lives to to bring us to to Peru and got us back from Peru um this was our mission team we went to Peru um through Hanford ministries um the leader jimmy hemp and his wife jeanette were our two leaders and they've been doing this for quite a while now i think jimmy said that this past trip was his 15th time ministering to the people of peru um we also had another couple um chip and april mckay um i think y'all may remember chip from singing i don't he was at a revival a few years ago i can't think of the group he sings with but but they, yeah, he, him and his wife went. And then we also had Casey Swalls, who um, he is a student at Charleston Southern. He is also um, studying to become a preacher. So that was our mission team. Um, great group of people. Skippy. Uh, oh, yeah. And we can't forget Skippy. He's, he's in the background. So for our little kids, Skippy went with us too. That was um, Jimmy and Jeanette's elf. So. He was there too, making sure that we were we were being good, so we would get presents for Christmas too. All right, this was a uh, day one. Uh, this was the village of Zungarakocha. I had to say that about 15 times before <laughs> I finally got down. It. And Jimmy still can't say it, so I feel pretty good knowing that I can say it, and he still stumbles over it. But this was their this was the inside of their church. It was. When we got there, they were they were already piling into church, ready to to see what we what we were going to bring and the message that we were going to bring. And the uh, pastor is uh, Pastor Gilberto. Gilberto, <laughs> and uh, him and his wife were, were were so nice. They they welcomed us with open arms, and that's that's the first thing that we we noticed that while we were over there. I mean, it was it was 95 to 100 degrees every day, heat indexed, and 
There's no, there was no fans in there. There was just open bars on the windows, and that's all you had was a breeze. And I think if the air was broke here on a summer day, you wouldn't hardly have anybody here complain about it being so hot. But they, I didn't hear one person complain. They were just, just eager to hear, hear about God. And that's the thing that we really, that really tugged on us a lot was that, you know. They, they hardly have anything. I mean, it, it's, it's really, really poor over there, but they, they were in such good spirits, and it was, just, it was just a blessing to see that, that they didn't worry about, you know, what clothes they had on or, or if somebody had something they didn't have. They were just there to, to hear, about, hear about God, and that's, that's what really touched us a lot. Um, this, uh, this was our first, of course, was our first stop, and there was about 200 kids at this church, at this village that we had had gifts for, and that uh, on the far far left is the pastor, and on the far right is his wife and his daughter, and it's kind of hard to tell in that picture, but that's that's their kitchen right there in the back. It's just small dirt floor, and of course no electricity, so they cook everything over a fire, and part of the of when we went with Jimmy, and then we, we provided, of course, the gift, and then we also had a hot chocolate and fruit cake that we sent the money down before so that they could buy the stuff and give the kids hot chocolate. And many of them, it was their first time ever having hot chocolate and fruit cake. And, and, so. and there is considered a luxury, uh, hot chocolate and, and fruit cake. We can go to the store and get a box of hot chocolate for a dollar, but yet it's a luxury for them. They don't, it's something they don't get, and that just just to know that, that they were so eager to, to get just a cup of hot chocolate, it was just unreal. And these are uh, some of the pictures when we were getting ready. That's all the boxes we had filled with, with the gifts, and we had the kids line up, and they would, uh, we had boys on one side and girls where they would, they had a ticket, and they would give us a ticket, and we would give them a, a gift, and just just to see their eyes light up the way they did when we just gave them a, a gallon Ziploc bag with a T-shirt and a, some candy and just one little toy, maybe just a little matchbox car, yeah, and a toothbrush. Like they were just just filled with so much joy. You would have thought that, you know, we gave them the PS4 or whatever the new gaming system is now, and they were just so so excited, and it just really it just really touched us. And these are some of the kids that got their gifts and stuff. And you can see by their smiles how excited they were to receive a gift. This was, uh, this was the, that night of our first night. We went to this, uh, this church. It was called El... <laughs> Huma Brillo. No, that's the, no? that's the next one. Uh, well, the name's at the top, so yeah. y'all can see it up there. If anybody wants to pronounce um. it, they can go for it. Okay. Yeah, El Buen is, is good. But uh, a special story about, about this one was we, we were going that night to this church, and in the city we had to take motor cars wherever we went. And so we got the motor cars loaded up, and Jimmy and one of the translators were... We were driving to the church, and Jimmy said the whole time they spoke English. Like they were, him and Manuel were 
were no, speaking. Him and Jeanette. What? Who? Him and Jeanette. Him and Jeanette. Yeah. They were just talking, and the driver speaks no no English. And when we got to the church, he asked Manuel. He said, uh, "What are y'all doing here?" And he said, "Well, we're here to talk about Jesus and and give gifts to the kids." And he said, "Well." do you mind if I stay? And so Jimmy came over there and was like, you know, do you know who Jesus is? And he said, I've heard of him, but I don't know him. And, and Jimmy said, well, I'll invite you to stay if you will and, you know, listen to what, I, what I'm going to preach about tonight. And so he ended up staying, and at the end of the service, we had a call for anybody that wanted to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and he came down. He's the one on the right with his shirt partially unbuttoned, but... He came down and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and that was that was just an amazing feeling, knowing that that was that was Jesus speaking to him. Although he didn't speak in any English, he knew that there was something they were talking about in the back that he wanted to know more about. And to, to go along with that, we had during our devotional and prayer time, we had we were talking about being the aroma of Christ to to let these people know that. To let these people see Jesus through us, that to let us smell like Jesus, be like Jesus, and and just let people know that that without Jesus, that you know we don't there's you don't have anything, and and for that language barrier to be there, and for Jimmy and Jeanette to be in that motor car with with Jorge, and for him to not be able to understand what they were saying, but going back to the aroma of Christ, it's just. It's a scent that you can't, that you know, that's like no other. And and I think that that's, that was part of God's plan to, for him to be driving their car, for, for them to, to smell the aroma of Christ and and to come into the church and, and be saved and, and live with Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And this was, a, this was also a, actually a Baptist church. And I found that out real quick because I recognized the songs they were singing, although I didn't know. I was singing it in English. They sang the old rugged cross and when we all get to heaven. And it was just amazing. When we tried to load the videos, but we couldn't get the videos to load on the slideshow. But when they when they sing, they they sing like they don't need microphones or anything. And this church again, this was a closed church, like a regular building, no air conditioning. They had one fan at the very front of the church so you can tell how much air you you had if you sat in the back so but it was it was just amazing to feel to feel God's presence over there and they were just just like the first village we went to they were just overjoyed just to be there and we Jimmy preached for for close to an hour and when we got done and left they still stayed in church and we asked them what they were doing and they said that their preacher was about to preach so they probably stayed in church two or three hours, but they not one person complained or anything, and I just, I just thought that was amazing. And it wasn't just a Sunday and Wednesday night deal. This was they had something every day. They had a service every night, pretty much, and people were just happy to be in God's house. And and that's after coming back. That's I mean I just you just feel home, and and that's it's a good feeling. Elaine's going to talk about the name of this place and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you can pronounce it. 
Um, this was our second day. Um, we went to the a girls' orphanage called El Lombrio, I'm guessing. Um, here they um, took in um, orphans. Girls ranged from ages, I think, two. like two to 15 or 16 or so. Um, it was just an all-girls home. That was the um, director in the middle picture um, with our team. And then on each side, or the other two pictures were just pictures of the girls receiving their gifts. Um, here we just played games with them. They liked to sing. Um, so we sang, or they sang a few songs, and then we sang Felice Navidad with them and, and just hung around. And another part of Jamie's ministry is he likes to um, make sure that they have clean water. Um, there because they that's another luxury for them they don't have clean water um, we couldn't drink any of the water out of the faucets um, I mean we all we had was bottled water but they they don't get that I mean they have to drink out of the tap and use the water that they have there so um, we were able to administer I think nine water filters throughout our trip um, so we were we, they were blessed to and happy to receive a water filter and, and the gifts there. Um, we, they had about 50 girls there, and we just hung out for a while with them and just just played and watched them enjoy their, their gifts, and they also had the hot chocolate and fruitcake there as well. And this was, uh, this was that night. Uh, it was another night service. It was, I can't remember what church, what denomination yeah, they were. They were the denomination where they, they got loud, quick, and stayed loud for about the whole service. It was something I really wasn't used to, but it, you, could just, you could just feel the presence of God in that church. And this was, uh, it's hard to see the guy on the far left is uh, Juan. He, uh, his, he's famous for a movie that he was in a long time ago. He calls himself Juan the Piranha. And so... Uh, but that night, we, Jimmy shared uh, the message of, uh, of Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas. And that night, we had four people come to, uh, to accept Jesus as, as their Lord and Savior. And that, uh, that night, we had, there was about 60 kids at, at this church. And I think out of, out of all the, the places we went, this was the, the craziest gift-giving that we, we did because yeah. <laughs> the first village we went to, they it was organized. They had tickets. We was in line. When we said something about gifts, there was kids being crowd-surfed to the front trying to make sure they got a gift, and it was it was, it was was crazy. But, yeah, you know, and, and we, we kind of, you know, giggle about it, but, you know, in all reality, this is the only gift that some of these kids received this year. They don't celebrate birthdays. They don't get birthday gifts. You know, they don't get millions of toys for Christmas and I mean they don't get the kind of luxuries that we have and so if if I were a mom in this situation and and I had these people from America coming to give gifts yeah I would want my child to know that that somebody loved them enough to come all this way to give them just a gift and and it wasn't just the gift I mean we wanted to give the gift of Christ through these gifts and and that's as a mom, 
I would think as a mom, I would want, you know, my child, because in the gifts bags, we also included a track get, revealing the true meaning of Christmas. And, and I think that, you know, being able to read that to your child and, and let them know the real reason for Christmas is, would, would have been important to me. So I would have crowd surfed my child to the front too, but um, that was just me. This was uh, the third day, Nueva Vida, and this, I think this village was the one that, that meant the most, that we found out real quick, that this was the one that meant the most to us, and this, this actually is the, the village that Jeremy mentioned that morning, or this morning, about uh, wanting to adopt a village, because they were about, we had to go by boat, it was about four miles yeah. up the Marone River. My mom and river. Yeah, that river. It was one right beside the Amazon River. So, <laughs> but uh, when we got there, they they were waiting at the at the bank for us to come, and they wouldn't let us carry anything. They took our wanted to take our bags, the suitcases that we have full of gifts and stuff, and they were just the kids were just jumping up and down like they were just so excited to see us, even though they didn't really know anybody, but. Uh, Jimmy and Jeanette, they they were just so happy, just just hugging us, and it was it was it was really overwhelming just to feel that much love from somebody that don't even know you. But they were just they were just so happy to see us. And these are uh, just a few pictures uh, of the village. This village doesn't have any any doesn't have any any power. Uh, they get their water from from the river. They they, Jimmy has one water filter there, but there's about around 80 people in this village. So, one water filter it would take a long time for them to get enough water to drink and stuff. But uh, bathing, they while we were there, there was a little baby that had a, a dirty diaper. Well, it wasn't really a diaper, but the mom just took him down to the river and rinsed it off, rinsed him off, and went on back to it and so you know that's just it's what they have to do and I, I think we really take that for granted like just being able to go get a drink of water or a shower or brush your teeth or something like this they, they don't have that over there but that uh, again they're just this picture up here at the top right was just another picture of of what we walked up to. I mean, you can see the buildings are pretty much in shambles and just kind of pieced together with with what they had. Um, the bottom right is a picture of me and Travis with uh, Pastor Ricardo and his wife. Um, he's a pastor there at Nueva Vida. Um, the top left picture was um, when we got there, Jimmy said that a guy um, that he usually sees when he goes to the village was walking with a cane, and Jimmy asked him what had ha what happened. You know, what's wrong with you? And he said that he had been um, cast under a spell by the witchcraft doctors. And so that that top left picture is just a picture of us. And then we had two others um, say that they were also um, under a spell from of witchcraft. And so you know, we we prayed over them, and and you know, it just took a lot to to pray over them and then not see immediate results but again um going back to the whole trip you know this it wasn't our will you know 
God will heal them and, and you know, under his will and, and under his time. And and so we were just keep them in your prayers that, you know, God has, has healed them and they're better now. Um, the bottom left picture is um, before we left, they make all their money by making items, necklaces, bracelets, um, dream catchers, blow guns, blow guns cool. <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. And um, what we did before we left was Jimmy told everybody that we would, before we left, we would buy some, but everybody there would sell an item. We wouldn't let anybody not sell anything. And so when we walked up, they had that big hut um, in the bottom left, and they were just around the edges, and we walked around and, and sold I mean, and bought stuff from each one of them. Kind of like the flea market at Myrtle Beach. Like they had, yeah. they had their stuff set up, and you would would go by, and they were also like people at the flea market trying to make an extra dollar. So you had to talk them down. But you know, we didn't really mind paying a little extra because we knew that was, you know, might be all the money they have. Because if nobody comes down the river and stops, you know, they they have no way. Because many of them never leave that village. I know the pastor and his wife. They'll go inland sometimes for you know if they need medicine or something like that or some food they'll go take a boat inland to go get that but many of them never leave the village and um here we also broke into three different groups Uh, me and Jeanette we led the women um we were supposed to do the Christmas story but if Jimmy said if we felt led to to teach about something else we were also free to do that as well so me and Jeanette we talked to the women and we were just um, talking about how how God loves you um, and how you know his love will never fail you and and then um, Casey and Jimmy they went with the men and taught the Christmas story there and and then Travis and April and Chip went with the kids and and taught them the Christmas story there. Um, this was a pretty special day for me. Um, I think the day before, um, I was just, I could just feel God working on me. And um, I'm gonna get emotional, but it's okay. Um, growing up, I went to church, but it wasn't something that I had to do. Um, I knew of Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with him. And and until I met Travis, you know, it wasn't a thing for me to go to church every Sunday. And um, so I'm thankful for him for bringing me to a church that I now call home. Um, so I was like, I was even kind of weary, you know, going on the trip and and then I could just feel God working on me and telling me that I needed to go on this trip. And he, he had told me a long time ago, um, during one of our after our one of our Sunday night services, and you know he was telling me that it is time. It's time to get right. And and so I was like, okay. And so ever since then, I've been working on my relationship with Christ. And you know, just a few weeks before we even went. Um, I joined Tim Rod and and it's just it's been an amazing ride since then and and so you know growing up not being in church um, as a priority I was never baptized and so 
the morning before when I was giving my testimony, um, I had told I had taught my testimony out of Romans eight, um, chapter eight, verse twenty-eight, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose, and that's what I did my devotional on because I just knew that me and Travis were called on this trip. I mean, there's just I mean. It, God told me you were going on this trip. And so, I mean, it wasn't a question of if we were called. This was our purpose. Our purpose was to go and spread the word of Jesus, and, and that's what we did. And and it has been such a humbling experience. And so while we were here at Nueva Vida, Jimmy had a great idea that I get baptized. Or actually, he gave Pastor Ricardo the option that if anybody in the village needed to be baptized that he would help Pastor Ricardo baptize them. And, and so during our devotional the day before, he was like, so you've never been baptized? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, we're going to baptize some people tomorrow. He was like, why don't you think about getting baptized? And, and all that day before and in the morning of, I was, I was like, I'll do it. I'll get baptized. And I was scared to death to get in that water, though. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie about that because I was like, like, I was petrified. Like, I, I had almost had myself talked out of doing it, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I was like, you know, how many people get to say that they've been baptized in a river in Peru? And so I was like, you know, we'll, we'll get baptized. I'll get baptized. And so I got baptized. I did have a video of it, but we've been having some technical difficulties today. So... Um, I took it out, but there will be <laughs> there will be pictures at the end, so you will kind of see me get baptized. But but this whole ever since that Sunday night, um, it's it's been a it's been a good feeling walking with Christ. It's it's an awesome feeling. So day four, we um, went to a girls' orphanage. I don't think it. I don't ever remembered the name of it and I don't even think Jimmy knew the name of it either but we went to another girls orphanage um but these were kind of like older girls they didn't have um like a lot of the younger girls these were these were mostly like I would say between nine or ten about nine or ten to to 17 um this was a government run orphanage um these girls were gated in they didn't have any windows because they were afraid that the girls would escape. Um, it was just a, it, it, this was a tough day, um, just seeing that, that this is how these girls had to live. Um, a lot of these girls come from various situations, molested, abused, um, you know, just unreal um, days. We weren't allowed to take pictures of the girls, um, so that's why you don't, we don't have a lot of pictures on on this day because they, the women who were the leaders there said that um, they didn't want us to put their pictures on Facebook because they could possibly be exploited. So um, we weren't allowed to take a lot of pictures, but here we, um, we did an activity with the girls. Um, I think April, she led an activity where we, she drew like a, we were going to do like kind of like the painting, like the, the girl, the women get together and do here. They go and have a paint night, but um, all, we didn't have paint. All we had was paper and 
and markers. So we did like a little drawing activity with the girls and, and let them know. And a lot of them were, were kind of resistant to us and us being there because, you know, they didn't, I guess they thought this was kind of. Especially the men, like we kind of yeah. stayed in the background because we didn't. What would have happened to some of these girls, I know they wouldn't really, you know, kind of skittish t towards men, so we just kind of let the, the girls take over this, this day and let them do all the activities with them. Yeah, so here I, um, was the day after I got baptized. This was the day after I got baptized. So here I gave my testimony, letting them know that, because since these were older girls, that, that it's, you know, I mean, if you're still alive, you're, you're never too old to accept Jesus Christ, you know, as your personal savior. And and um, a lot of our pictures we took were with the girls. So Jimmy asked the, the director, would it be okay if we took pictures of the girls holding up their pictures over their faces? So each of the pictures drawn um, represent um, the girls that were there at the orphanage. Okay, this is uh, day five of Baleen. This was by far the, the the poorest village we went to. It was what you would think of around here as like the ghetto. Like it was just really run down, and you can see some of the some of the houses. We have uh, more pictures at the end of the slideshow of some of the houses and stuff. But it's right there on the river, so whenever it rains, it it floods. So they have to build their houses up on stilts, or either have their houses just floating, and. Uh, I didn't put any pictures of the Baleen Market. Uh, Ryan, he warned me about it before I went, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into when we went to the Baleen Market because that morning, Lane wasn't feeling good. She was a little dehydrated, so the girl stayed behind, and Jimmy said, well, we'll take you to the Baleen Market and let you, let you see everything. And I was thinking of, like, the farmer's market, you know, fruit and everything organized and all, and... When we walked in the first place, it it just it, it hit you like the smell. It was just rows of tables of just raw chicken, like room temperature, probably hotter than room temperature, and they were right there beside you chopping up the chicken, the juice hitting you in the face, and all other kind of nasty stuff. And we got through that building. I said, "Well, it's over with." Well, the next building was beef, and just. I reckon they were steaks, but I wouldn't steak I would eat. And then they had, of course, plenty of fish and whole hogs just split open right there on the table. You go by, get what you want, or turtles. You know, it was just, it was the nastiest thing I think I've ever smelled in my life. And matter of fact, when we got back from the Bailey market, we went into the girls' rooms, and time we walked in, they told us to turn around and get out. They said that we smelled like the market. <laughs> I was like, thank you, God, you made me sick. I was like, because I, this smell is making it even worse. So we, I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, the guys didn't even, we couldn't even eat lunch because, of course, we went to go eat lunch that day, and it was some chicken soup that looked like <laughs> somebody had chewed it up and spit it out. And I just, I smelled it, and I was like, I can't do this. And so... <laughs> I ate a granola bar that day for lunch, yeah. but it was, but that market was just kind of an indication of how the village was going to be. It, it was, it was really poor, and these were the boats that we had to get in. The one that me and Chip was honored to get in was they had to scoop water out of it before we could get into it. So that was really reassuring. But uh, 
But uh, this, this picture on the right is just maybe not even a third of the kids that, that were there whenever we got there. And the kids, they were just swimming in the water. And I think one of the things that really just, just tore me up was when we, we, crossed, we crossed the river and when we got to the, to the other side where we were getting off at, there was these three boys. And one boy was, had a, like a bucket of trash where he took it and just dumped it into the river. And the other two boys was walking and they were walking and they got in this like little hut that was outside, just about like where them boys were. And I asked the interpreter, I said, what's, what's he doing? And he said, well, that's their outhouse. That's where they go to the bathroom. I said, oh. I said, okay. And while that boy was in the bathroom, using the bathroom, the other boy took a cup, scooped the water up, and started drinking it. And I was like, he can't do that. I said, that's, that's not right. I said, he's going to get sick. And the interpreter said, well, that's their only option for water. He said, they don't have running water over here. And he said, it would take so long and so much wood to heat the water to kill the bacteria in it that they just they can't do it so a lot of these kids all have stomach trouble and stomach problems and and are sick a lot of the times just because they have to drink that water but they were it didn't really look like it phased them because they were still swimming in it and and all but uh this uh the church was uh kind of behind behind what these tarps were set up. It was so small that they just decided to set up outside because Baleen, we had, what, over? Close to around 200 kids. Yeah. Um, I think we, we gave out, this is our last day, and we we were supposed to have a few bags left over, but, I mean, we didn't have anything, and we were taking bags apart to make sure that every kid got something, and and it was just, it was just unreal, the amount of kids that were here, and and it, I mean, it was just so hot that last day, and and I mean, it was just getting to the point to where you know a lot of us were, you know, getting weak from from the heat, and and by that time it started pouring rain, and and so we we gave out. Is there another slide? Yeah. Okay. So um, we were under the tarps giving out bags. While it, all the other kids, you can see on the bottom left picture, all the kids were across, um, I guess, their roadway, you would call it, um, up under the houses waiting. They, they were supposed to come, like, in, in small groups, but that didn't happen. It was crazy. But they all came to where we were, and we handed out bags. And you can just see at the top left picture, too, that, that their houses are just pieced together with whatever they had as well. And... In the bottom right was the preacher. I think there were like two or three preachers there, so all of their churches and stuff were there too. So I think that's why we had so many kids. They just got word of mouth that we were going to be there giving out gifts and so. Yeah, and the bottom left picture, when it rains and the river floods, they say the water gets halfway up to the windows there when, when it rains. So they, you know, the top left is actually their church Right there, it was a floating church where when the waters rise, it just rises up. But the concrete uh, pillars you see there, they're actually going to build another church and put it up on top of that. And they said that the water shouldn't shouldn't get that high. And so right now, they most of the time, they say they have their church services outside just because they said it's, it's so hot and being in that small building with no, no electricity or anything. 
But here, this uh, this village, we we did the same thing. We we shared the the Christmas story, and we had a little nativity scene. Yeah, nativity scene that uh, we kind of showed the kids so that when we were telling them, they could actually see it and stuff. And they they seemed to really really like that. And then we sang Feliz Navidad a lot. And it's the only one we knew. Yeah, it's the only <laughs> thing we could sing. So, but. Uh, but these kids too. I I had a video of it, and of course it wouldn't play. But these kids, they they had some songs they were singing, and Cassidy reminded me at their Christmas program how he was singing loud, you know, just because he he really wanted to sing, you know. And these kids, they were they were singing at the top of their lungs, and they were just so so happy and just so happy to sing and and praise God. And it was just it was unreal, like it was just screaming at the top of their lungs. So, but it was, I think this one was, well, it was definitely the most kids, but this was really the, the poorest, the poorest place we had because it's just, when they were serving the hot chocolate to the kids and stuff, we were pouring the hot chocolates into cups and there were sticks and leaves and stuff inside the hot chocolate because they just got the water from the river, which was right beside their outhouse as well. So it was just... It was sad. it was really really sad. So that that kind of wraps up what we did each day. Um, it didn't look like we did a lot, but we were up seven o'clock every morning and didn't go to bed till eleven twelve o'clock every night. We were I mean we were out, you know, spreading the word of Jesus, which is what we went to do, and and that's what we did, and and it was and it was a good time, and um, this. This is our interpreters' um, families. The first night we were there, um, that's what we did. We took the interpreters and all their family um, out to eat um, because they were such a vital part of our trip. Um, they come from wonderful families. They had wonderful families. Um, Travis even wanted to bring one of their daughters home with them, and and they was like, I don't know about that, and, and so. Um, they had a lot of patience with us, a lot of knowledge of, of their homeland, of, you know, which places needed help, which places, you know, needed this and needed that. And they were, they were very smart, very knowledgeable. And, and they, they're the ones who, who kept in contact with Jimmy, letting them know, you know, which, which places we need to go. And they had planned a lot. And, um, again, they, even they, they come from, from poor, they have poor living conditions and, um, I think Travis went back to to one of their homes and and yeah, I went back to uh, Manuel. He's the guy sitting beside Jimmy, and I had to ride with him on the back of his moped, which was an experience too. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> but we we rode back to his house and and Jimmy had told me he said you know Manuel there maybe middle class or, you know, something like that. So I was expecting to, when I got to his house, for it to be, you know, a regular size house. Maybe not big, but when we walked in, it was like walking into a, to the back of a shed somewhere over here, dirt floors. It was, their hallway was, was actually just another building that they were, had basically built like a lean-to up against. And so that really just just tore my nerves up because his little girl Mia was the one I wanted to bring home with me and so just to, just knowing that that's how they live every day like it just really it really just just broke our hearts to knowing that, that that's 
that's their daily life every day. And so we uh, we took the kids the the next to the last day. Mm-hmm. We took uh, we took Manuel's uh, two daughters with us shopping, and we we told them, you know, what what did they want for Christmas? And of course, they said they didn't they didn't want anything and stuff. But we we told them we wanted to take them shopping wherever they wanted to go because we didn't know where to go in the city. And so his oldest daughter was what, 16? Like 13, 14. 13, 14. But she, yeah. she said that she wanted to go get an American dress or she wanted to go get clothes that looked like came from America. So we went over there and found a store that was like New York. New York and Company. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, one of them places. And, you know, we, we let them pick out dresses and stuff. And, you know, just they just got one dress and you would have thought we bought the whole store for them for mm-hmm. how excited they were. Yeah. And... Chip and April and Casey, they they all got together and bought a microwave for Manuel and his family. And he's what in his thirties, forties. Manuel's about forty something. But he said that was the first microwave he's ever had, and he said it was like a luxury to have a microwave. So they were just just he ecstatic. Had, he had tears in his eyes yeah. too. So it was it was a good feeling to be able to spoil him a little bit while yeah. he left and. Because we, we did not want to leave them. You can go to next slide. It's the slide show. No, it ain't. Oh. Um, we also had, um, we had Manuel, of course, on the top left, on the top right. Um, on the bottom middle, we had Manuel, and Luis was in the red. He was our second interpreter. And we also had Wendy. Um, she's on the top left. Um, she was our third interpreter. She didn't have any kids or anything, so she was... Um, by herself most of the time, but Manuel and Luis um, helped take care of their kids, so they brought their kids with them and stuff, and so um, that was Luis's son, Alton, on the top, in the top picture, and then Manuel's daughter, Mia, um, when we were leaving that night to come back home, and yeah, that's the last one, and I I cried when we left, because it was I was ready to come home, but I was like, can we just take them with us? And it was, it was, it's an experience. And, and, uh, and when we, when we left, like Ryan told me, you know, he said, before you leave, you'll, you don't want to bring nothing home. And like, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I'm bringing my stuff back. But by that last day, I was leaving shoes, clothes, all the, all the, Solace that we had and stuff. I just, I just wanted to leave everything because they just, they didn't have anything, and it was, you know, it, it was a blessing for us just to know that, you know, my old pair of shoes that, that you know, I had in the closet. You know, I, I seen them the other day. I think one of them posted on Facebook. One of the, one of the Luis's kids had my shoes on. So you know, it, it was really just heartwarming know, knowing that it was going to good use because. I didn't need that pair of shoes, and so it was, you know, it it was, that was one of the hardest things, I think, was was having to leave that night, knowing that, you know, it might be another year or longer before we see them again, and we just really, really close, because, I mean, early in the morning, Mia, she was there when we would come out of the, the hotel, and she would stay with us the whole day, and we ended up winding up even babysitting one day when there was a soccer game <laughs> on that Manuel and Luis managed to slip out to go see it. So, but it was it was just an amazing 
amazing experience. So this really does kind of wrap up everything we did this week after we introduced our interpreters. Um, just to let you know, again, thank you for, for everything, for the prayers. We felt them for the donations because, it, you know, like Travis said at the beginning, at some point we thought, how are we going to get there? How are we going to make it? And God just kept it coming and kept it coming and, and showed us, you know, you are going. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you have a way to go. And and it was just, we, we really can't thank you enough. And um, hopefully everybody got a bulletin this morning with the little thank you card in there, just a few pictures um, for what, you know, we we experienced while we were there. And um, I think we had a question for the kids, like, what kind of toys did y'all get for Christmas? What'd you get, Tristan? Just name one toy. PlayStation. PlayStation. What about you, Bray? <coughs> A drum set. What about you? American Go. Could any of them gifts fit in a gallon Ziploc bag? A bag about this big? Probably not. And so... I just I want y'all to remember and think about how how thankful we all are to you know you might not think you you got a lot but these kids over there in Peru they got a a gallon Ziploc bag with a T-shirt and a piece of candy and maybe just one Matchbox car and that's that's all they're going to get the entire year they they don't celebrate birthdays over there no, you know no other holidays that you get gifts on and so you just you just need to be thankful for for what you what you have and just you know just a little backstory to that um why we said that was because we were having christmas at our house with my mom and and brayden and my sisters and um brayden was like all i got was clothes and i didn't get no toys y'all didn't get me no toys and and i was like well brayden what if all we got you was a gallon ziploc bag with a t-shirt and a toothbrush and and a piece of candy in it i was like if that's all you got, I was like, so you should be thankful for everything that you get, that there are a lot of kids who don't get half of, of what you do. So um, now we have um, just a combination of, of pictures throughout our trip. And, and uh, again, we just can't thank you enough for sending us on our first mission trip because it is truly an experience we won't ever forget. And there's a there's a lot more pictures of Nueva Vida, the the village that we're talking about trying to adopt here. And you'll see because you'll see the the grass skirts and stuff and the and the huts and stuff, and you'll know that's that's their village. But that's that's what we want to do because we want them to know that although we we've came and shared about Jesus, and now that we're gone, we still want to show them that that Jesus can still provide for them by by sending the the money that you know that they need for for medicines and for food and stuff and so we want to we want to just bless them and just let them know that you know, God will provide for their needs and you know they could be praying right now that they you know be blessed with you know some food or or anything like that so i just i just hope that you know when we take up the offering tonight and all the other sunday nights after this that y'all you know pray about it and, and give with your heart knowing that you know, just sparing a couple of dollars, uh, a feed, a village. Little kids will, you know, go to bed at night, not not starving, not wanting, you know, another, some more food. And also being able to have the, the medicine for, you know, malaria and just antibiotic creams for cuts and stuff that they may, they may get. And 
So it's it's not it's not asking much. So I just you know just pray that y'all that y'all will, will give with your hearts and that we can adopt this village and let them know that that Tim Rod you know cares about them and Tim Rod still wants to support them and stuff. So with that, this is the uh, slideshow. So hope y'all enjoy. Hey 
about that. Well, that's the end of our slideshow. But uh, as you can see, too, I conquered my fear of snakes. <laughs> but I don't want to do it again, and I probably won't do it again. And uh, we had a lot of videos. I wish we could have showed some of the videos we had because we went to that animal rescue uh, center that last day, and when we got there, the monkeys just like attacked the boat, and Lane got, had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> And like they, the monkey just came up and took the bottle out of Jimmy's bag, unscrewed it, and drank it like he's been doing it his whole life, which he probably has. But uh, that, and then I don't know if y'all remember the picture of uh, the plate of food, the last picture with a piece of corn on top. That was uh, Luis's, yeah, Luis's brother uh, prepared that for us, and he told us that it was a ceviche, which is like our catfish, and he said that. Uh, he wanted to prepare a meal for us, and I was like, well, I like fried catfish. You know, that would be fine. And he said, well, this catfish isn't cooked. And I said, well, I don't do sushi, so, you know, th this ain't going to happen. I can't do this. And he was like, it's not cooked, but it is cooked. And the way they did it is they, he filleted the ceviche out and kind of cut it up into, huh? Yes, yeah, the ceviche. Yeah. Anyways, they, uh, they filleted the fish out, and then he cooked it with the lime and lemon juice. The acid from the, the limes and stuff actually cooked the, the fish. And so I tasted it. I was afraid to, but I tasted it, and it was probably some of the best fish I've ever had. So conquered a lot of fears because Lane don't eat fish, but we, we ate fish or chicken just about every day because we knew the chicken was cooked. I ate beef or what I thought was beef one day. <laughs> wasn't good, and... We were good with health through the whole week. You were dehydrated that one day, which I think God wanted you to be, so you didn't have to go to the market. And then at Nueva Vida, actually, me and uh, Casey, the day after, he he was sick. Uh, stomach was kind of super terror is what they call it. You can know the, the word we call it. But uh, And then later on that night, it, it hit me, and... We was like, well, why are we the only two? And we figured figured it out that while we was at Nueva Vida, we both ate the fruitcake. And I don't like fruitcake, but when the chief hands you fruitcake, you eat the fruitcake. So I took a bite of it, and Casey said that he had to eat the whole thing because he stayed with him the whole time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I took a bite and tasted how bad it was and walked outside and gave it to another little child. So, But other than that, we were... We were healthy for the for the whole trip, and really thankful for that. So. Well, thank uh, thank y'all uh, so much for sharing uh, your your journey with us. And um, I'm gonna ask uh, our young bucks that normally take up offering wherever you are uh, to come up here. Our offering plates on the front. Gavin, will you grab those plates right here for me, buddy? Or were you coming? Yeah. Okay. Come on, Cassidy and Tristan. Uh, one more. Graph one more real quick. Buddy, you want to help? Yeah, you can help. Come on. Or Joe. Uh, no, Joe, you, go, you better go back. Uh, <laughs> um, well, he, you can stand with Daddy. Hey, you want to stand with Daddy? You can stand with Daddy. Come here. You can stand with Daddy. He might take all the money. That's why I told him to go back. Um, but uh, uh, let me tell you one thing. <clears throat> um, and Travis and Lane, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, tonight what we're going to be doing is we're going to pass... Uh, Pass these plates. Two of you, come over here, dudes. Get on this side. Two of you, get over here. There you go. All right? Two, two of you. There you go. And uh, there you go. 
and we're going to pass these plates. And what we're doing, guys, what we're doing is we're taking up an offering. And not only are we taking up an offering, uh, but we're committing uh, to these children and, and village, village, all these folks you saw in the video, we're committing to, to, to get, sending $100, $100 a month uh, to feed, help feed them and, and provide some medicine to the village of Nueva, Nueva Vida. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm putting mine in here. Uh, $100 a month, guys, come on. We can, we can do that easily. Um, any surplus, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably price, uh, send it towards uh, future trips and things like that. Let me tell you this story, and I'm going I'm to pray. Um, I, on my only foreign mission trip I ever went on was to Uzbekistan. We were in a mud village. The reason it was mud was because the houses were made of mud bricks.